0: It's Wednesday, January 6, thousand sixteen, and you're listening to episode three eighty eight of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and two minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name is Chad. This is Brodor. Oh, that's Italy. it. Suck it. <laughs>
1: And there was that, that fraction of silence, and I was like, Is somebody
0: going to say something? What's going on? No, <laughs> you guys are just too freaking loud. So I had to back uh, it off. And, are we calling someone? No, Skype. I just hate Skype. I'm, <laughs> so and you, I'm leaving that in the I'm, show because that needs to be out there.
2: So you launch Skype just to shut it
0: down because you hate No, Skype. it auto launches whenever this, because it's a freaking virus. It's <laughs> the second worst virus out there. The only program that is a bigger virus than Skype is norton <laughs> i
1: was just <laughs> gonna say that so i backed oh, off the yeah. mic i took it out of my
0: mouth and i moved away from it so I, I just I adjusted so the, the volume yep. all right
1: all right i'm, I'm now eating the mic so, again
0: all right first up, battle tech contest voting on the plots that's still going on yes and you know what you just don't want to give the dice up that's no. why you know how many chinese people are making these dice <laughs> a lot of them this is the last week uh-huh, right. No, for reals.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I believe you, Dan. This is my I believe you voice. Okay.
0: <laughs> End of the day, Sunday, January 10th. 11.59, yes. 59 p.m. Central you can time. Pry these dice out of your cold, dead hand. Then yes. I will look at the votes, and I will decide what I consider cheating versus funny, <laughs> and we will hand out these dice in some utterly capricious manner. So
2: He was that pause again <laughs> Well we <can> edit.
1: <laughs> We haven't been drinking Brodor, Just so we're clear yeah, no. We
0: have not had a, a drop of alcohol I'm <laughs> eating a sweet tarp but That's really about it So Brodor, your brother uh-huh. Brodor the Elder yeah. <laughs> Which every time I hear that I won't think like Pliny the Elder or something <laughs> But Brodor the Elder wanted me to ask you about Abba oh, I fucking love Abba <laughs> right,
1: like I, love Abba. Just recently, I listened to Abba's greatest hits. In, in my, well, Chad, you looked at yeah. my CDs. I mean, yeah, it's like, I know it's he right likes that. Abba. Where this He's came from Abba. was last
0: episode. I said I have a guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. and Chad said, "Is it Abba? Yes, and which it was not. But then Broder the Elder contacted me and said, I should ask you about ABBA. I I, I love yeah. it. I love Dancing Queen. Yep. I love
1: SOS. I, I, they're fantastic. Hmm. How could you not like it? <laughs> because it's ABBA. No, like I, I put it in and I'm gay in the 70s. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> what a time to be gay. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> I was born in 75, Chad. I was born in 76. <laughs> you see? Yeah. So I could have been gay in the 70s. <laughs> you have, I guess. <laughs> uh, if, you talk, if you talk to my brother, I was. Sure. Any which way. Yeah, no, no, I, I love it. I think they're fantastic. There's a couple really what would be considered universally amazing bands that I love, and ABBA is one of them for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah. You know, I never understood the disco hate. I'm not a fan of disco per se, but I never really understood the disco must die and we hate disco, other than the fact that it probably really got overplayed. Okay, disco dancing mm-hmm.
0: needed to die. <laughs> disco styles the needed, clothing and stuff. needed yeah. to die. But disco music, if nothing else, makes an excellent backtrack for rap music. <laughs> if you've ever heard a disco song converted into a rap song, and I'll see if I can dig one up because there's one that I've heard. I can't think who does it, but it's based off of "Staying Alive. In fact, there's a rapper where that's his primary shtick is taking these disco songs and kind of converting them forward and using the the track to create a rap song.
2: I prefer a combination of hip hop and punk myself. Yeah. If you want to look up a guy named Max Tannon, I think I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He does Mike Check 123, I think it's called, where he takes hip hop songs and he does mix ups, you know, like the Grey Album and, and yeah. stuff like that that are combined with punk. And so you have this flow of hip hop that just kind of goes and goes and goes with this hard punch of really hardcore punk acts. And the cool thing about it is because none of the music is his, yet it's completely remixed. They can't take it from him. They can't take it down for copyright violations because it's a remix. But none of the music's his, and he didn't pay any royalties, so he can't sell it. So he just gives it away for free. He does Beastie Boys, Go Check Your Head, where he remixes Beastie Boy albums with other Beastie Boy albums. <laughs> and so, like, the backdrop is Beastie Boys. He does another one that's uh, Jay-Z, who I'm not a fan of. I really don't like that kind of hip-hop. That he mixes it with Radiohead. Like, the complete opposite side of the spectrum. music. Yeah, I'm with you on Jay-Z. Outside of, like, 99 Problems. Oh, here's and maybe, the thing about Jay-Z. Well, uh,
0: New York, I think New York State of Mind is his yeah. as well. There's a really small number of his songs I like. But overall, I'm with you. I I'm not don't a Jay-Z like fan. Jay-Z.
2: I love Jay-Z remixes. I love the Grey album. I, I'm not even a Linkin Park fan. I love Ugh. his Jay-Z Linkin Park album. It's great. Parts of it where they're talking in the booth and stuff and joking around, you could tell they just had a ton of energy and a lot of fun. And the Linkin Park guy's like, Oh my God, it's Jay-Z! Oh my God! <laughs> and then it, and they just make some really fun music. The Max Tanon Jay-Z Radiohead uh, mashup is amazing and i don't even like jay-z but his stuff is bad but when someone else gets a hold of it and remixes it then it really starts to sing it, it it's really good but yeah max tanon check it out he he remixes uh like most def and punk bands bc boys <laughs> i love all this stuff I'm not a big Jay Z fan, but
1: Beyonce has a remarkable turd cutter. <laughs> and, and this whole time, I've had, I've had, I've had wow. Mama Mia stuck in my head. Mama I'm Mia. like, Mama Mia, there I go again. Mama. Anyway, how can I resist ABBA? I can't. Do I have to? I'm having the time of my life. <laughs>
0: you are a dancing queen. What can I say? It has been a long time since somebody's used a phrase. I wasn't sure if I had to bleep or not. So,
1: check this out, right? Can you imagine me driving along in my car, wearing my Gwar t-shirt, listening to Abba? Because it happens.
2: (laughs) So, I (laughs) I have been through his CD collection. There's a range in there. There are some astronomical... Dizzying highs, and there are some really stinky bottom of the shoe lows. I will fucking cut you over Amy Winehouse. I will do it.
1: I love her. I want her voice to have my babies. (laughs) She was not well. (laughs) Oh my god! All right, so. My wife is perfect and wonderful in every way and the opposite of what you would think that I would want because like Amy Winehouse is it, just this dead check? broken, distraught, <laughs> yeah, damaged, was... junky alcoholic. <laughs> I just want to nurture her and fix her and have her <laughs> abuse you. me.
2: Fix her. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're like <laughs> so you know the entire equation though. Right. You just said it. It's just like because you always hear these people, it's like, oh, this other person, I want to date them. Well, they have all these horrible problems and all this life things and stuff and why would you want to date them it's like right. oh because i can fix them no but the whole equation is i want to fix them so they can abuse me right <laughs> <laughs> see i just want i just want her to cheat on me and puke on my yes. shoes yes <laughs> that you want the whole pack you're not deluding what? yourself right. oh. Broder, you, you have
0: you have turned the entire body of Sigmund Freud's work into a snake eating its own tail I think you may have just upended I mean when the very point of these problems is to consciously want them, not subconsciously but consciously describe them as wanting to create more problems
2: And the only thing that stopped there, him
0: was there's, her there's, untimely
2: death. Yes, and there's
0: there's no defense mechanisms. There's no hiding this. There's no dysfunction. It's just hey, I'm just putting it out there. This is hey. what I want to occur. Hey, don't
2: judge me. It's preference. Yeah. yeah. All right. So role playing games. Yeah, role playing <laughs> games. Actually,
0: I'm going to talk about role playing games, but there's going to be setup to this one. All oh, right. Okay. So I got kind of a weird. Going to be another pause. No, no, but I got kind of a weird topic today, okay. and. To set up this topic, there's two other things I'm going to talk about here real quick. One is Fear the Boot has, or I have, I guess I should say, and since I am kind of like the living avatar mm-hmm. of the God Emperor of You've Fear the Boot. you paid all the bills. Yes. So you get that. Yeah, exactly. We allow you that for and, paying the bills. I came up with a rule, which is Fear the Boot's spoiler rule, all right? And here's Fear there's the Boot's. I gave it on the show once before. The boat thing? Well, it could cover that kind of thing. Yeah. But first off, The The base, the baseline Uh is one year. So if media gets created, base clock is from first release. You've got a year to consume it. And I won't spoil anything within one year of its release. I think that's plenty of time for somebody to consume something. Mm -hmm. Now, there are two exceptions to this. Exception number one is if you tell me you are about to consume it, which obviously we can't do with an audience. I just got a PlayStation four for Christmas. Okay, so I don't know what video games. Don't spoil any of the no, Witcher no, no, stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> Witcher's within its first year. All right, so you're fine on Witcher anyway.
2: But well, Witcher three is.
0: Yeah, but number one is if I know somebody's about to consume it. So somebody comes to me and says, "I'm about to go play Final Fantasy 6. Yeah.
2: Even though it's twenty years old, I won't say anything. I'm about, about to see Star Wars for the first time in my life. Oh well, you know who Luke's
0: dad is, yeah, right? Exactly. So I won't do that. Yeah. On the flip side, that year immediately ends if it becomes mainstream cultural currency. If it becomes a meme, Snape kills Dumbledore, Mass Effect has three terrible endings, all right, things like that. Because by that point, it's become cultural currency. It's kind of like the same way you don't get a one year break until somebody tells you who won the Super Bowl. It's water cooler conversation the next day. It's newspaper headlines. And the same way, if it is absolutely everywhere, I'm not going to stop participating in the popular culture because of the fact that a spoiler has become a meme. So with that said, there is a video game that I'm going to spoil in or s- Brodor,
2: specific, <laughs> or Brodor,
0: in the setup to this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you what that video game is right now, so you can make a decision of whether you want to punch out and come back to this show later, but the video game in question is is over five years old what
2: game is it the stop okay. teasing me! I,
0: all right i'm going to tell you the name
2: you're all foreplay dan we just want <laughs> he to said, do stop it stop
1: teasing me and then he puts his hand in his chest and he says i'm gonna tell you the name <laughs> and yeah. then the conversation
0: yeah. drags can, a little bit can more can you tell that we've
2: been married for 35 <laughs> yeah, years no, it's absolutely
0: true <laughs> the name of the game and i'm going to spell this before people freak out if they mishear me the name of the game is near i've never heard of this that's game. n-i-e-r okay because slurred, that sounds like something else. But it is a game called yes. Now, brother, finally understand. <laughs> it, it, the name of the game is Nier. N I E R. Okay, now PC. I'm only aware of releases on the PlayStation 3 and oh, Xbox then I 360. I Totally B. don't care. So let me give you the plot of Nier. and there there is a sequel game that they're making now called Near Far. Yes, <laughs> called Near Automata and a, a, a,
2: F-A-R-E. Yeah.
0: F A R E. far <laughs> F A F A H R. Far, <laughs>
1: but, but <it's laughs> goddamn gamers making fun of names. They hate, hate it. <laughs>
2: it. Takes a lot of work to come up with some crappy names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even remember the character nihilistic Jeff Bridges is yeah. what we call him from here. on I know, so good.
0: The plot of Near. The first one. Yes. Okay, the second one's not been released yet. The plot of near is when the game starts out, you are playing a father who has a daughter, and you are in the parking lot of a grocery store in the year 2049. Your daughter is in bad shape and you are trying to protect her. You get the sense is like this post apocalyptic mess. The grocery store's trashed, you know, it's it's a bad scene. And all these monsters start attacking you, and as they attack you, you start manifesting these powers that you shouldn't have. And you kind of fight and fight and fight. And then that plot point cuts off. And then it says 1,300 years later or something thereabout. Mm, Dune sequel. It's like thirteen to <laughs> 1,500 years later. Yeah. It picks up again. And you're playing the same guy. And his daughter is there, but she's sick now. The world that you are sitting on is this like medieval-type world that sits on the ashes of the modern world. Okay, so you get the sense you are still on Earth. Canticle for Leibwitz type of thing. But it's 1,300 years in the future. Yeah. You are the same guy, and he believes he has lived here his entire life. There is no recollection he has whatsoever of having been alive in that prologue. Well, it's been
2: 1,300 th- years. Yeah, he's you know, forgotten. Stuff.
0: No, but he has this whole story, right? Okay, none of it involves him having been there in the year 2049. Is he or- an
2: unreliable narrator?
0: No. Well, sort of. Sort of. And this is where the RPG topic comes in, okay? There, there is a point to this beyond me just spoiling a five-year-old video game. The kick to the plot, okay, mm-hmm. is throughout the game, you are fighting a variety of monsters, mm-hmm. some of which are physical and material monsters, others of which are these things called shades. Mm-hmm. They're like these really powerful spirits, okay, that are like attacking whatever, and they've got all their own crazy crap going on. And what you come to find out at the end of the game is that back in 2049 humanity was being wiped out by a disease and everybody was dying okay this was going to be the end of our species and using some kind of like magic or super technology i don't know what it was supposed to be because it used these two grimoires so i'm guessing it was magic of some kind what they did was they separated the human souls or minds from the bodies okay so they basically took everyone's consciousness and pulled them out of their body. And then what they did was they created these cloned bodies. Think sort of like replicants, or in fact, I think they actually called them replicants, but something like that. But they separated the two and they were waiting for the disease to simply die out for the last of its spores to simply pass. But what had happened in the meantime was these empty bodies that had just been kind of pantomiming human life, started becoming sophisticated enough, started developing enough internally that they started to take on minds of their own and become their own form of people. And the disembodied human minds and souls became angry at them and were trying to preserve themselves. And that's what the shades are. Mm -hmm. And what you are playing through this whole game and don't find out until the end is you are playing basically the vessel Of the guy from 2049. And what you are basically supposed to be. Is the receptacle. That he can rejoin with. And then his daughter has one as well. That they can rejoin with. And restore the human race. And on the first playthrough of the game. You don't get. A lot of the side dialogue. After you beat the game. There's no contact. Exactly. And after you beat the game. If you play it through a second time. Though the characters are oblivious to it. You, the player, get to hear the dialogue of the shades as you're going through the world. And you hear them talking about wanting their bodies back and how what they're really trying to do is to protect each other from these rampaging, you know, these organic androids that are running around that are supposed to be their resurrection. And you come to find out that depending on your perspective, you're kind of the bad guy. Because basically what you've been doing this whole time is fighting against human consciousnesses. You're fighting against the very guy that you were playing at the start of the game, trying to keep him from, along with the rest of the human species, getting these vehicles back, which they never meant to take on consciousness. That was never the intention. It was just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. And that's. But the point is, depending on your perspective, it is arguable because the shades once again, once you get their dialogue. They're simply trying to protect each other and survive, and they are humanity. You are, in a sense, just a an imposter. So the Shades can physically act in this world? Sort of, yes. They have limited ways of doing so. I don't remember all... It's been a few years since Why I played it. Why didn't they did. just
2: work with the clone bodies, say, Okay, clone guys, you can keep your bodies. Let's just make some more new clone bodies. This was a Square Enix game, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was the imagination of a dream... Born on the winds of time that goes through the no no no, of no. Poetry.
0: what it is is it's an interesting concept told in a story that has plot holes you could drive a Mack truck through mm-hmm. and the true believers will just tell you it was because of poor translation into English <laughs> <laughs> or you, you just don't get it <laughs> or you uh, yeah you don't get it uh, it's I mean, not it's it's made yeah. for somebody who has an Eastern mindset oh You're, yeah that's a fabulous question to which I have no answer. Here's my point, though. Here's where Mm -hmm. I'm tying this back to tabletop role-playing games. This is a concept I'm going to call the long bomb. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Why not? You know, I got to call it something. Have you ever played a game or run a game where at no point did you lie to the players? At no point did you even have to adjust what you were doing to accommodate their paranoid conjecturing? But you simply put them in a situation which was intentionally misleading and then at the very, very end or near the end or somewhere along the way, maybe midway through at a major plot point or something, they suddenly come to find out none of this is what I thought it was. That I have completely misunderstood the morality of the situation. You know, all I know is I shot back because they were attacking me. I didn't realize I was actually, you know, and I don't want to get too much into debating the, well, the morality. I don't. I don't really like moral blacks and whites it doesn't yeah. have to be moral. It doesn't have to be the I'm the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's just this is not at all what
2: I thought it was. Once again, right. not
0: because you you're never lied
2: to by the GM. You know, I like to obfuscate things. I like to dole hints out. I don't spoon feed my players. I like to create what I consider complex systems that are the game world. There's, there's a world that's working. There's factions. They're doing things all of this is happening, whether the players are inserted or not, it's the point which the players are inserted that things begin to change. I consider players to be like ripples in a pond, you know, you throw it in the pond and then the ripples start coming out, but the pond is there and it's living and it's all got all this stuff. That's how I kind of like to run a game. So I guess I don't do that simply because if you do it wrong, it's a bait and switch. If the players... I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, if the players are thinking that it's, one thing and then it's like surprise this fantasy world that you you have where you have magic and you have swords and you think it's 1262 and blah 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 it's actually a different world and it's 50,000 years into the future you find a spaceship and the spaceship is the colony ship they came from Earth, and then the magic is just nanites. But you don't understand it, but you just know how to make it happen. And and that was never part of the di- like the out of game deal, the out of game conversation. The deal was, hey Chad, let's run a game. Okay, how's fancy sound? Sounds great. How about some vampires and werewolves and magic? Oh yeah, that's awesome. Okay, let's play this game. Here's our interesting characters. Here's this interesting world. Now I do the hit where it's. 50,000 years in the future. Uh, yeah, that is bait and switch. I think
0: there are two big no nos. There are two yeah. big ways to screw this up. One. one is to give them an out of character or expository lie mm-hmm. to state to them from your chair as the GM. Yeah, You're not simply narrating, oh, you look around and see a uh, medieval world, but you tell them specifically. Yeah, way. you tell them. In, in narration. Crazy. It is 800 AD. Mm-hmm. They have accepted this as complete truth, and basically you have lied to them. I think that yeah. right there is big no-no number one because people expect in the social exchange of yeah. the game a fair deal from the GM. They expect their friend. They expect the arbiter. You know, If you're putting this much trust in somebody to be a storyteller, to be the final word on things, you have to trust there and tell the truth. The second thing that I would say is is don't do something that makes their actions seem meaningless. Mm-hmm. Utterly meaningless. Now, they might have been confused. Right. You might have made different choices, and I think that's that's a neat thing. If Nier was a tabletop role-playing game, and I knew going into it that I'm playing a vessel mm-hmm. that simply has kind of achieved some limited sort of consciousness, I may have made a different choice. But, yeah. at no point... Did you get something like, oh yeah, we've played through six months of a DD and d campaign, and all of a sudden the pods open up, and you guys are right. uh, this is, I'm going to spoil another video game that's even older than Near Star Ocean, I think it was Till the End of Time, I think was the subtitle of it. It was a PlayStation 2 title, but that is literally how it ends mm-hmm. is you start off in a sci-fi world and Chad, this is the bait and switch yeah, because you're sold a sci-fi world that has guns and spaceships and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And you spend the entirety, like the first place you end up is you crash on a planet that has this kind of, and you have this like prime directive thing. Sure. So you have to switch from your gun to like a sword and mm-hmm. try to blend in and I can think okay, we're going to leave this and move on. And at no point does that happen. Eighteen hours later. Yeah, thirty hours later, forty hours later, you are still there. So that's problem one: is you yeah. get the bait and switch. And then problem two is at the end of it, you come to find out that this entire medieval world, along with you, mm-hmm. is basically an MMO. Right. And there is somebody playing you, which
2: is the because part you Assassin's kind of Creed. lame. Because, but you but you know that going in. Yeah, in Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed, there's no yeah. bait and switch, there's no deceit. In fact, that's the integral part of the game. Yeah. That, you're, you're walking around the virtual world, and there's little glitches that you see that are part of a metagame.
0: Yeah, well, or in many of the games, you then wake up, mm-hmm. and you walk around a building. And you're talking clues. about
2: what you did. What'd you do in the past? I was this ninja in Italy. Yeah,
0: the only game in the series, to the best of my knowledge, that does not do that is uh, Unity. And, and uh, in Uni- they, Unity, it wasn't that great. They but, come out with an Assassin's Creed every six months. I know. So I but with it. Unity, they did still Unity. They told you what was <laughs> yeah, going on. Yeah, I was <laughs> the same thing. Rick James delivers it. <laughs> plop, punches you. He's <laughs> your ninja, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Unity. <laughs> they did still tell you,
2: but at no point did you wake up and walk around an right. office building. Now, I think that what we're talking about here is can easily be confused with a very good plot twist. Plot twists are good and important. Like, the game that I'm running now, the Blades in the Dark game, the team, the strays, our heroes, are working with a gang called the Crows. And the Crows, something happened bad, and I, I think I talked about this specifically in, in the last episode, something bad happened against the Crows, and our heroes got blamed for it. And then they had to prove their innocence. And even the Crows were like, you, you got to prove your innocence whether... It's true or not. We don't care. I just need a justification not to move against you and move against somebody because I don't care. They did it. The crows love them. If any of my players are listening, you might want to stop right now, but the crows are using them. The crows set them up. They did the bad thing and framed them. Because sure. they wanted to test them to see if they were worthy. The crew last Sunday proved they were worthy they proved their innocence by completely fabricating evidence against someone else. And the crows are like, good job, more work in the future. This is going to be a great relationship. And so, they're gonna throw a lot of work their way, there's gonna be a lot of plot stuff, it's gonna be really cool, and then there will be a sudden yet inevitable betrayal. Yeah. So I have not done this as
1: a game master, but I have had a number of games over the years, both on a large scale and small scale anecdotes or situations mm-hmm. where there has been a great moral discussion. In no. fact, I won't bore you with the gaming story, but years ago I ran a DD game and this thing had occurred. Long story short, I had, we were all members I, of Abba. I, I had the lawful good <laughs> side of the table. I had the lawful good players on one side of the table. That's literally, the Bee Gees. and I had I had the chaotic good side, Abba, and they're literally, I mean, in character, pulling weapons on one another, right. gonna fight over a disagreement, and these are both, you know, morally mm-hmm. good sides that have come to this impasse that is going to turn violent right i've had situations where you know the the whole cliche you kick in the door and you kill something that's evil and take it but they didn't do anything wrong and they happen to be asleep and you murder them and took their stuff so what does that make you you know you have those scenarios and those discussions but i've never done something on that scale the the most I've ever done, or I should say the, the the largest scale I've ever done, is I had a situation where the players were working for someone who was an espionage agent for another kingdom. Yeah. And they never even really discovered it until the very, very end of the campaign. It wasn't a bait and switch. It was just, hey, this person who had been directing us had ulterior motives from another state agency we end up being what well, we were used. Right. Mm-hmm. But they were never betrayed. It just, they yeah. just were never, they were never necessarily as important or valuable as that they thought they were.
2: Right. One of the closest things I guess I've come with it. It was with the game that Narl was in. Uh, we didn't finish it uh, because I had uh, gained unemployment and I just wasn't up to finishing out the campaign. What I had planned for him and I had told him this because I was like, well, I'm not going to run the game anymore ever. So I'm, Ask me any question you want, and I'll tell you where I was going with it. And they were asking questions. that's actually always pretty cool. I I love being able to laid out the stuff. Mm -hmm. But anyway, one of the things I laid out for them was, I mean, they were on a planet that was obviously not Earth. It had like a different kind of sun. I think it had two moons. Yeah, two moons. And uh, so, I mean, it was never ever even fake Earth, right? It was totally different planet. One of the moons was habited, but nobody knew this. They didn't have space travel or science or anything like that. They didn't even have worthwhile telescopes. One of the moons, unbeknownst to the players and unbeknownst to the entire population of the planet they were on, was that the moon was habited and that the people on the moon had developed the ability to use magical portals and travel between the two and was influencing the politics and life on this planet for reasons i i don't remember what the reasons were so that was going to be the biggest surprise because eventually the plot was going to take them to where they find one of these portals or whatever and then they go to this moon right so yeah
0: there's another way i've seen you do this i've seen you do this a couple times where the players pin the quote-unquote villain to the wall Mm -hmm. you know they break into his lair or whatever and then find out that the villain actually had a point yes or the villain really may have been right and like
2: I said, I don't like moral. Gr- I but, don't like black but, and white.
0: But this is the kind of long bomb I'm talking about, mm. where you have spent and you. You being the player, anyway. where <laughs> oh, usually. But by that point, it's just all inertia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you being the player, not you the mm. game master, has spent all these play sessions trying to stop the sky and defeat his minions and unwind his mm. plans. And then, when you finally break into his layer of layers, you come to find out he was right. Or he at least had a
2: point. point you, could, you could empathize with Yeah, him. that it wasn't... To me, that's not a long bomb. To me, that's... To kind of pat myself on the back, that's a well-made character. Well, and it may <laughs> be, but I think it
0: classifies as a long bomb yeah. because of the fact that the players, I by, say, ex- they, by accepting things as being too simple, yeah, have sort of deceived themselves into believing something that you never stated, you didn't lie about. Right. And nor are
2: you, and invalid- it had been on
0: the books, yeah, for the whole time. And you're not taking their actions away from them. You're not. I going wasn't to wake
2: obfuscating up- facts. It's, yeah. it's all the facts were there separately, and then when the villain, you have them against the wall, and the villain says, "This is why I'm doing it." All of a sudden, all the facts that they had, they don't get new information. Yeah, it just suddenly fits together. Yeah, exactly. I have to say, one of my most proudest moments as a game master was. When you run a game for Dan, Dan is very... I'm not saying you're single-minded, but you're very determined. You're very focused. You're very determined. You really get into your characters. You really try to pull apart what's happening and what's going on. You're also one of the great players in that you help move the story forward Instead, say, I don't want to do this. I don't think we should go there. I don't know. We don't have a plan. Let's. You're just like... You're, you're not like me where it's just like, well, let's go. You're just like, No. This is the reason why we're doing this, and we need to come up with a plan, and you move, you have inertia. You move it forward. You're also playing the most violent character I've ever <laughs> seen you play, the most bloodthirsty character. If you don't believe me, go check out his character's Twitter feed, for <laughs> the love of God. And you had the big bad. This monster that you're playing, hands around his neck, lifted him off the ground, and just there wouldn't have even been a role. Just... You even given me the slightest hint that you just crack his neck or throw him against the wall or rip him apart. He's gone. And you start role-playing, and you don't. Because I was able to convince you that he had motivation. He had a reason. He was able to convince you that he was doing some crazy, weird shit, but not evil for evil's sake. Well, yeah, and the reason what really got through to me
0: on that was... First of all, I knew there's a lot about the world we didn't know. Sure. The villain was entirely... It was you guys. T- <laughs> was entirely too willing to die. Mm-hmm. He was entirely too willing to basically say, I would rather surrender the field than have this fight. Yeah. And it was at that point where I don't think it was a purely out of character thing. I think mm-hmm. even in character, as violent as he was, was taken aback. Yeah. It's instinct. The instinct is he's not behaving the way a competing predator should behave. Right. He's not acting that way. And so something is wrong with this situation. There's something more we need to figure out here. And it turns out he did know a lot of things we didn't, but we never got to learn them because Wayne <laughs> walked up behind him while Narl's holding him. And Narl's like, I'm going to leave this guy alive. First time in the game, Gnarl's made yep. this call, and Wayne, Mr. Pacifist Frying Pan Dandy, <laughs> walks up and shanks his ass Soprano-style. Yep. And it was uh, like, welp. He well, we tried. Uh, Gnarl's got a corpse. <laughs> For once, he didn't create it, and he's like, dude, I think you need to chill. You're a bit violent. <laughs> like, yo, bard, don't it <laughs> down a, a little. Again. Sir William, you're at an 11. We need you at about a three. <laughs> so so to, to go
1: back to the near example, if I understood you correctly, if you play through near the first time, you don't get the big picture and you go through, not to the very end not till the very end all right so then you go through the second time and now you're now in you have the, the contest yes all right gotcha because i I've, I've noticed this with my current group that i, I run my once a month fifth edition dnd game for very sort of cliche dnd group okay we're together and the game masters put a story in front of us and let's just go pursue it right mm-hmm. but they're not proactive not to the degree that that i would hope Then i'm not trying to run them down it's yeah. just that you know we only get together once a month it's difficult to maintain momentum. Mm -hmm. And so they come in, they just want to eat dinner and be entertained. And that's fine. But I find it challenging because I'm not getting as much proactivity as I would like. And so there are elements to the story that are there that are not being pursued. And I think video games are a lot like that in that if you want to run around and smash stuff and gain XP and get Mm -hmm. treasure, you can do that. If you really want to immerse yourself in the story you can do that as well and it seems like this scenario or this example that you guys are talking Mm -hmm. about dan you were very interested in well wait a minute i'm in my character he's not acting like the 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 predator that he should be acting like Mm -hmm. he's not competing he's not trying to be chief of his proverbial tribe and so something's rotten in denmark i want to check it out
2: and correct me if i'm wrong narl wasn't thinking a hundred percent Wait a minute. Is this a trap? If I kill him, is he no? Gonna... no. It... it was
0: there was something wrong with this picture. Yeah, it was very much. There's a dance, and mm-hmm. these aren't the moves to the dance. Yeah, this isn't how it's supposed to go. I I know. Okay, going way back, the original Knoll, going back to like D and D 0 or whatever, mm-hmm. was supposed to be a mashup of a gnome and a troll. And really, really? yes, so weird. That is so stupid too. I mean, that's a kind of uncomfortable date. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, Certainly by third date, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the refractory period on a troll. I mean, it's like, <laughs> boom, he's back, he's back in business. <laughs> no yeah. chicks are into that, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I, all, they're I all guess like that's how it happened. Stuff, yeah. But in the more modern editions, they change them to being, they're not a hybrid of any two species, but morphologically, in terms of the way you would describe one, they're supposed to be a mashup of hyena and man. Now, a little bit of biology for you. Hyena is not a canine species. It is actually a feline species. And one of the decisions I made when I was playing Gnarl was that I was not going to go the route of a hyena, which ha- which socializes one way and thinks one mm-hmm. way and has whatever, because of the fact that it is a feline species. Right. I instead decided to go with what they look like to me, which is they look more like a canine species. And so I gave them the pack mentality of a dog. And so in a fight, there are ways the fight is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And humans would normally follow this quite well. And when he suddenly stopped acting like, a competing predator or a competing alpha, it was just all wrong. Yeah, it it was all wrong. And so he was like, something else here needs to be figured out. There's another great example I can give. And this one's also a video game. And then I'm going to try to talk a little bit more about role playing games, because I think video games are useful metaphor because you can look at how video games did it and try to apply it to role playing games. Because here's one that I think would make a great plot for a role playing game. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I'll mm. break down why I think would make a great plot for a role-playing game. And the game is Fable 3. This is another one multiple years old, so I'm going to spoil the crap out of it. But in Fable 3, you play the brother of the sitting king. Okay, so you are the prince. And you are also prince. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> at the point when he's just a symbol. Right. It's just some like weird ASCII table thing or yeah. ANSI table mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, so you were playing this prince and your brother is a dick. Mm-hmm. He's mean to people. He's cruel to the peasantry. He's shaking everybody down. He is hyper industrializing the world. I mean, it's just turning into like London at its worst, you know, during the Industrial Revolution. It's just it's smog and filth. Mm-hmm. He's cutting all these social programs up. Orphans are filling the streets. Nobody's getting educated. And he's dumping all this money into building this huge army and these like Gestapo type internal police. And he just looks like this complete freaking monster. Mm -hmm. And so one of his mentors is like, he's gone too far. You have to stop him. You have a claim to the throne. So what we're going to do is we're going to go out one area at a time, one province at a time, one people at a time. We're going to win people to our cause create a workable revolution we're going to overthrow him and we're going to take over the empire now if you play this as a role-playing game and use that setup i described right there well somebody's going to look especially with our 21st century sensibilities look at somebody who's polluting and hyper militarizing and all these kind of you know just this monster of an mm-hmm. individual all right forget whatever politician you're thinking of it, it, this guy i mean was worse all right, this guy's a really, really bad person. And we'd say, wait a minute, this guy's got to be stopped. Clearly he's evil. You're one of the objects of desire. He's cutting you out of discussions. He's clearly a bit nervous about your existence. Well, he's rightfully all, paranoid. We're all the hero of our own story, right? And well, so, I am. And so <laughs> along, <laughs> along comes then his mentor, who knows more information you who's been around longer, comes up with what seems like a workable plan of let's go out there and, Be nice to people and build up resistance and then take the throne and then I'll take it over and I'll be a nicer ruler. Okay, you can completely picture that, I would imagine, as a setup for a role playing game, except what you find out. And by the way, all this information is presented if you're paying attention, because as you go around the world, you start to find out that he's got these really specific goals in mind about trying to industrialize and build this military. Mm -hmm. And it's not even clear exactly who it is he wants to fight. And he's trying to consolidate power. And then you come to find out that he's fascinated by this land across the sea. Well, eventually, once you depose him, you come to find out that he's traveled to this land across the sea. And what he found is that this ancient evil has been unlocked and is rampaging across that continent and as soon as it finishes that continent it is coming for yours and it will take everything your continent can muster and more and you still probably will not survive it that what he's working for is he is not fighting for any individual he is fighting for the survival of the species
2: and now okay you know you know what my problem with this is okay that's america it's World War II, the Nazis are going crazy, except no one in America knows anything about Europe. And the president is the only one who knows Hitler is there and doesn't tell anyone, yet starts raising this big-ass army. And,
1: and that's what's not I mean, interesting about on. it. Because nobody said, <laughs> he can't
2: hey, tell anybody yeah, about this? Exactly. No. There are
0: people that know. They're out the plot. But it's- yeah, one... like
2: four? <laughs> I mean, come but, on. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm with you. It's okay. lame. All right, fine. You can call it lame. Let's
2: mobilize the people. I mean, oh yeah. No. Well, first of all, let's eat the
1: orphans. I mean, yeah. people are hungry. We don't have That's social right. programs. We have an excessive number of children on the street we that are call edible. It urch- Gr- Urchin jerky. <laughs> <laughs> urchy. But, urchy, yes.
2: Urchy is people. So here's, no, they're
1: not real people. So, so here's my question. The trusted mentor, is he a minion of this great evil? Is he trying to turn you against your brother to weaken your brother? Is that No. The, okay.
0: He thinks, in fact, When you get put on the throne, you are confronted with the exact same decisions your brother was. Mm -hmm. It's like the clock is ticking. They're going to show up. Yeah. What are you going to do? And it's like, okay, here's your taxes. We got a million bucks. We can either use it to build a bunch of schools or we can put it into the
2: army. It's kind of like... make military schools <laughs> and you know he got a whole bunch of urchins i'm i'm over civil chi- child soldiers <laughs>
0: Chad, i will grant you yeah. there are certainly parts of it that had a cheap shot element to it yeah but it was better presented than i think i'm giving it here yeah it, it, because
2: there. i love how because when know, it happened pollution and industry are choking everyone out yet no one has a job <laughs> Yet pollution and it's you choking everyone out Well, well who's working this It's stuff. the automatons Yeah yeah the, but
1: the, the unions are enraged We've built these These steampunk automatons Yeah That are actually manufacturing All the engines of war
2: No no They're just manufacturing pollution that's right (laughs) haven't you seen captain planet
1: pollution industry
2: yes
0: (laughs) it's on captain planet oh god he's our hero you you don't vote
2: for me our pollution industries are going to be shipped overseas
1: (laughs) (laughs) well the chinese are already doing a great job (laughs) with the pollution
0: industry india too and now they're exporting it to africa (laughs) but
2: The, the, Damn globalization. <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep domestic pollution but here. When, when I played
0: <laughs> Fable 3, when the big give was given, yeah. I had not assembled it, mm. but I did not feel lied to. Everything they said, I should have known all of this. Yeah, The facts were all there. I had been given all of this information, but at no point was it shoved in my face. At no I mean, point was it as pressing to me as the guy trying to stab me. And so I just kind of filed it away until suddenly you think the game's over. You think you're at its final act. Mm -hmm. You knock him off the throne and you come to find out, okay, he's a
2: dick. But if, and this is the big if. Do you have to follow his dickhead plan or can you do your own good plan and still win?
0: It is very hard. It is possible to win and not be a dickhead you have to work a lot harder for it and you have to have a lot more preparation and such. And a lot more pollution. That's an important life lesson, kids. (laughs) Yes. You need an enormous belching pollution industry. You need every orphan fully educated in maximizing pollution and
2: working the pollution engines year-round. Automatons and union workers and orphans coming together to create pollution. (laughs) To to actually summon Pollution elementals. Yes. yes. And I want to strip just the,
0: the bad guys, elementals. The bad guys can only move through clean water. You must eliminate all the clean water on the planets.
2: Yes. And they will be incapable. Oh, that
0: is fantastic. Acid rain is the only
2: thing known yes. to defeat them. They have really sensitive skin to sunlight, so you must strip away the protective coating of the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you this Dan Wayne and I we both like mysteries yeah but we like them in different ways Wayne sits there and he tries to figure it out he'll watch a Sherlock Holmes whatever and he's watching he's like okay this having this happened. okay this is probably a red herring and this is that and this and I think it's got to be one of these two people that who done it and blah 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 and I'm the totally opposite I sit there and I don't want to figure it out if it's a movie and not a role playing game that I'm trying to actively engage in. Yeah. If it's something that I'm passively consuming, I just want it to hit me. I just want to be entertained and I will travel along willingly along the plot. And I never figure it out because I'm never trying to, and I don't want to. So which one are you? Because that kind of ties into this. Right. And well, let me start where it ties
0: in and then I'll answer your question about Mm me, but where I think it ties in is in many ways what you're playing is a mystery without ever having been told it was a mystery. Yeah. Because there's all these clues, there's all stuff going on that you don't necessarily see the significance of until you hit
2: that point of payoff. See, I think that right there, what you said is the difference between a good way of doing it and a bad way of doing it. You have been given all these clues and you never were able to put them together to figure it out. That's the good way of doing it. Right. The bad way of doing it is... You're playing this game, and suddenly it happens. You're never given any clues about right. it. you never yes. I, I, exa- I, I agree with is you. And withheld. That,
0: and that goes back to the whole bait and switch. Yeah. Well, and maybe not so. Much like
2: the king in Fable 3, not telling anybody yeah, about that. Well, people did. Once again, I, it, <laughs> I don't. But,
0: but the point being here. <laughs> all right. The point being, though, that, yes, I agree with you, that you spread out the clues, and that was what made it work in Fable 3. That was what made it well, I guess Nero was a little bit more of a blind side, but it's what made it work in Fable Three. Sure. It's what made it well, okay, Star Ocean <laughs> was also a blind side, but it worked in Fable Three. Where <laughs> when, when they dropped sure. the give, I was like, I should have known this. Yeah. I should have pieced this together. But to answer your question, I'm a little bit of both. I know one of the
2: things that drives country, a little bit rock.
0: Yeah, I know one of the things that drives people nuts, or like some people nuts, is that I always take the middle road on the show. One of these days we're gonna have a bonus episode where I'm just
2: gonna go off and give all of my really extreme Dan, opinions. You you don't give extreme opinions and you don't go off. You judge
0: yes this is what yes. you yes and judge that's what we're going to do is i think we're going to need some like listener emails or something where i'm just going to judge it could yes. be marriage problems it could be gaming group problems Please it can do be,
2: not send in these emails it can be
0: oh yes it is going to be dan judges it will intersperse of me judging and then me giving an extreme and absolute opinion <laughs> where it's not middle of the road right. but your answer to your answer question on the mysteries i am a middle of the road guy when i was reading sherlock holmes stories I would read several pages and pause to contemplate and then read several pages and pause to contemplate. And sometimes it wasn't a fair exercise because in many cases, the information was not presented until the mystery was solved a game more recently. And you rightfully make fun of it for being press X to brush your teeth. (laughs) But with heavy rain, I would play it for a little while (laughs) and then I would, I I would pause it. And because Carl likes watching me play video games and this, it did have a strong story she and I would discuss like, okay. It does,
2: I mean, it does have a very deep
0: mystery. I yeah. hate the game, but it has a very deep mystery. And you do have sufficient information yeah. to solve it.
2: In fact, that's the whole point of the game. And is I that did. Gathering clues to solve. The and mystery. I did solve. And I,
0: the yeah. game, if you play it right, will give you the answer, but I had solved it before it gave me the answer. I'd figured out who the origami killer was. Mm-hmm. And I, I won't explain how, because it's a mystery game. I,
2: explaining how and who kind of kind of beats the ruin the entire game it's not even a spoiler it's like that's a why bother even play yeah
0: so (laughs) uh, but i figured out yes i was able to solve the origami killer but it's not as proactive as wayne Mm -hmm. but it's also not quite as consumptive as what you're describing but it's it's more like every so often i stop put it down and think okay let's review and that kind of goes back to that point with naro where he had the original Lord of the Toon, which became right. Saren's Town later, by the neck. It was one of those moments of evaluation of I knew we were coming to some kind of sub-climax. I there's a mm-hmm. term for that in literature and I forget what it is. But when you get one of those those right. peaks, that's not the main climax of the plot, you see mm-hmm. one of these big peaks, and I knew we were at one of those. Yeah. I, Dan, the player, instinctively right. knew we were at one of those. Which is why you're a good player,
2: because you know how to interact with that. And I
0: paused real briefly out of character, and even in characters, like, something here is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not the right choice. And then suddenly Wayne sprouted his balls.
2: (laughs) For the first time (laughs) ever. His
0: ginger balls finally drop, Uh, and he shanks the completely wrong person. After having failed to shank a hundred right people <laughs> leading up to this moment. Yeah. See, I want the prestige. I want
1: that mm-hmm. moment where I realize that Christian Bale <laughs> is playing his twin brother or that right. moment where, uh, you know, Jack and Marla are arguing in the kitchen yeah. and you look down the stairwell and Brad Pitt looks up and says, this conversation is over. And so Jack mm. turns to Marla and says, this conversation is over. Right. And you're like, son of a the bitch. They're the same guy. <laughs> right.
2: <Yeah>. Like, I <laughs> Oh want- my God. Spoiler right like
1: I want that moment where I'm consuming it passively maybe the clues are there maybe I figure it out maybe I figure it out before the rest of the audience maybe I don't but that magic moment where you're where just the the epiphany washes over and you're like wow that's Really, really very interesting. I've had one campaign that I ran that ended in that moment, and everybody at the table was like, wow, I did not see that coming, but the clues were there, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. One of my players, I mean, he felt ripped off. He was really, really upset that the campaign ended the way that it did mm-hmm. and that we did all this for nothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I really could see his point, but I was a little bit disappointed that he couldn't just enjoy the ride. Yeah. But
0: I mean, I, I get it. That's something you got to watch with some people because with some people, even if the information yeah. was there,
2: they're going to feel ripped off because they made the N- wrong choices. Never, ever, ever. Take away player victory. And I don't mean, oh, yes, I killed the green dragon, and ha-ha, no, you didn't. I'm talking thematically, from a story perspective. Never take away player victory. It
1: would would be way too much to explain here, but in this particular situation, sacrifice was victory for the world. And that's... I have run games like that. Their personal sacrifice, all of the the bloodshed, the pain, Mm -hmm. the suffering, the personal sacrifice, and ultimately the sacrifice of life. Yeah. That was what I even had. I even had an epilogue that I wrote for the game that was hundreds of years Mm -hmm. later and this priest in the temple talking about yada, 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 yada to reinforce that theme. But he was mad. He's like, you know, we did all this just so we
2: got killed at the end. So blah, 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 blah. see, the actual play that I have on my website for silent memories, Mm -hmm. the entire game, they're going back and forth, they're going back and forth, there's a traitor, and and, oh my god, the traitor's causing all these problems, and oh, we defeat the traitor, and oh, we figured out, and finally we figured out what's going on, and by the end of it, they died. Mm -hmm. Every single character died to save humanity, right, and it was awesome. It was really, really
1: cool. This is the same game where the human resistance group that had been brought together by the resistance group leader is actually an agent of the kingdom of the elves who is well hey we're being attacked by this great and terrible evil the human lands have been dominated but there's Mm -hmm. some semblance of resistance let's pool resources of our uh, basically our cia into the human lands let's build resistance groups and so they start taking resources away from the larger war one of my players had figured out early on what was going on and only after well I, I, again, I'm going to get into a a, a a seriously insane gaming <laughs> story. I'll I won't bore the audience with, but any which way, that was one of the minor reveals in the game. Was like, oh my god, we're being manipulated by these people, and then they realize, well their ultimate ends are, are good and helpful, et cetera. And it's going to be good for all of the races of this particular kingdom. And then they realize, well, this is going to cost us our lives, but Mm -hmm. what is my life in comparison to all of these, you know, millions of other people who are going to be liberated because we made this sacrifice that is minor by comparison.
2: Here's an example of a game of a video game that did it completely and totally wrong and has just, Enraged me and I hate the video game for it, and I hate it because I loved the video game. It's LA Noir. LA Noir, you're playing, uh, what, 40s? I yeah, guess? 1940s.
0: It's it's, a, it's really shortly post war. Yeah. So it's like 1947, 1948, something and like that.
2: You're a police detective. In L.A., it's kind of like uh, L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential, right? kind of like a, a Grand Theft Auto, because they, you got the map. It's so you all beat 3D. hookers to get healthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're 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 playing. You're, you're a cop. You're and a clean cop at that. Yeah, you're, you're... So you can get in cars. You can drive around and stuff. You're a murder investigator, or, or a not a murder. It's a major crimes unit or something. Well, like you do actually go through a bunch. Oh yeah, yeah. They move, the, they move yeah. you between divisions. So anyway, there are crimes. I mean, you drive around, you do this and that but there are crimes this is the plot right so the crime happens but you're not there you're a cop you're a detective so you show up right the you're there to scene. respond to crime right. not to
1: prevent it right, right. i got gotcha. you <laughs> well that's just a reality i mean come on right i mean <laughs> you know? cops
2: aren't psychic it is a minority report right i mean there's the reason yes. why they have a response time right And especially you're not a patrolman either. You are a detective detective. Detective. Right. So you go to the crime scene and it's a really intricate, interesting thing. You search the crime scene. You're looking for clues. There's stuff there that, that you can pick up and you can look at it has nothing to do with anything witnesses and, to beat and intimidate right. to coerce to to elicit false confessions yeah. from is that so <laughs> and you and then there's this whole actually uh, you can do that actually, yeah but uh, but there's this whole uh talking to people you talk to the witnesses and they use this technology where they had actors and they put you know the little dots in their face and they move so the face of the person in game was moving and had facial expressions and stuff so part of the game was actually like looking looking at at their body language and and and, talking to them and so if they're saying no everything's fine but their their face is kind of like their shifty eyes and stuff you have to look at that you have to take that into account and, and be like hmm is that a thing and so there's a lot of data points to put together to coalesce together to solve this individual crime and then you arrest the guy and then you either get the wrong guy or the right guy and they grade you on your performance. How so if you just want to be quick and just grab any old guy off the street? Yeah, you can do that. I really got into putting together the clues and solving the crimes. I mean, I worked really hard on every single crime because it was so much fun and I got a real immense satisfaction When it graded me at the end and said, you got the right guy, guilty verdict, good job, officer, we're moving you to Bunko Squad, or we're moving you to the the (laughs) prostitute vice, or we're moving you to whatever. (laughs) You get halfway through the game, you're solving these crimes, and then you, you start noticing that there is an overall plot. Well, you get to the halfway point, and then the thing happens, and the plot happens, and then there's a big chase, and then there's a big thing, and then there's this evil guy and the big bad's revealed and then you're hit with oh yeah all the crimes are linked every single person that you arrested and worked so hard to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're guilty every single one of them was framed you put away the wrong people and it's actually this one guy who's the big bad who did everything yeah and it's just like that's, that's- you yes
0: okay. and what you said is completely correct it is only for one of the departments you're in right because they put you in different assignments mm-hmm. it's only that one assignment but yeah it turns out that there's you're solving these murders that yeah, turns it's out the murders it's the a serial killer mm-hmm. and yeah
2: you put away and the, they don't free the people you put away you don't have any bad things happen the plot instantly goes to oh let's just chase the serial killer down yeah Oh yeah, those other people are just rotten in jail but it's 1946 so who cares and it's like, really? Yeah. So oh, um, it completely took away any sense of victory. There, there it is, is definitely
0: a right and wrong way to do it. There's a lot of ways you can leave the players feeling cheated. But I think if you do it right, it is, at least for me, it is fun to get to a certain point in the game and to realize I should have been paying more attention. Mm. I should have been doing something more than stomping orcs and taking their stuff. Right. You should play but,
2: Undertale. Yes. That's I, what
0: Undertale is all about. And we got some people, Mags, apparently John wildly spoiled that game. John <laughs> wildly spoiled the game. <laughs> so I apologize for that. I would have done something about it, but I never played it, so I had no idea. I didn't realize that what John said was so wildly Yeah. So like all of it. <laughs> all right. But anyway, we're, we're going to stop this one here because oh, we're getting up good on time. Wait. All right. All right. So- I work, I I mean, my job, it's, it's,
1: it's miserable, right? I mean, it's (laughs) it's horrible. It's, uh, I was about to say something that I would regret saying. So I walk into, there's only two men's rooms, right? I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's mostly women that work there. There's a, there's a good number of employees in the company. It's about 200 of them. The majority of them work at the facility that I work in. Okay. It's only two men's rooms, right? So two toilets, one urinal right? So there's always this competition to get into the bathroom. This morning, I finally get into the bathroom. I go in, I go to pee, pull out my pecker, doing my business. I look at the back of the toilet tank and what is there but generic personal lube that says compare to KY. So
2: I'm peeing, and I see this little tube, huh. and it's not
1: that little tube of generic personal lubricant on the back of the toilet. And so, I mean, you guys have heard me on the show, right? I'm like, my mind, it's racing, right? right. Like all the scenarios. Telling of, Noir. Yeah. Yeah. He pulls out his notepad, he, he's looking for evidence, he's finding ways I was just thinking about like, okay, so who's bleeding out of their butthole and had to eat He's a tampon up there, or <laughs> which dudes or are banging? That butt huh? hole, come which, on! Which, <laughs> turd cutter, please! <laughs> which dudes are banging? Which dudes? Right, like so. I'm going through all of these weird, illicit romantic <laughs> encounter scenarios. Like who's fucking who in the ads at eight thirty in the morning in the warehouse bathroom?
2: Oh. Ah, good
1: times
2: it was the mystery ever <laughs> and, solved no
1: no, no it's and ongoing in, no and in fact one of my buddies that works for the company comes by my desk and he goes have you been in the warehouse bathroom <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i looked at him i'm like yeah dude i totally know and he goes you knew and you didn't tell me, you should have called me immediately. <laughs> See, he's a cop, and that was his yeah. partner. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. you know what the twist
0: is going to be? <laughs> it's going to turn out he did it with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
1: my lube. There's, there's, there's special ABBA brand glitter.
2: All right, you have this baggie full of glitter. I don't think this evidence means anything. <laughs>
1: It's Having the time of my life. So,
0: Ooh. yeah. Anyway, thank Aww. you guys for tuning in once again last week to vote on the BattleTech stuff, and then I will be capricious and judgmental and <laughs> hand out dice. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot. Copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of shows. You can find other great shows in this
2: network at pulpgamer.com.